Okay, today's one of my favorite types of episodes to record. Sarah Khan is with me and we're calling bullshit on passive income and all of these shortcuts to sustainability. And be sure to stick around to the end for Don't Be That Girl. We're talking about pitch slapping again, so we've got pitch slapping part two. Come on inside. It's time for the Growth Strategies Cafe podcast designed specifically for female online business owners. I'm your host, Teresa Cleveland, and I believe we can all make a difference and that having a successful online business is one of the best ways to do that. Let's be real though, growing an online business isn't always easy. It definitely doesn't look sexy all the time, and it's one of the most fulfilling endeavors you can take on. There are no secrets to building a successful business. There's just the stuff you don't know yet, and we'll be talking about it all here in the cafe. Whether you're on your way to six figures or beyond, you are in the right place. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a chair. Let's get to it. All right, here we are ready with another episode of Beyond the Bullshit. My co-host with the series is Sarah Khan. I'm Teresa Cleveland. Sarah, tell everybody what you do before we jump into this month's jackpot of processes and things that we're going to call bullshit on. All right. Well, thank you, Teresa. My name is Sarah Khan. I'm a business growth strategist and a coach. I help ex-corporate women who feel stuck in their online business finally gain traction by unlearning the toxic beliefs of corporate mindset, uh, BS business practices, and helping them make that emotional and, and practical transition from an employee to a CEO. I love it. And I could not think of anybody better to do this series with. You know, I had to reach out and say, let's talk about all the bullshit. So thank you so much. I'm so glad that we're doing this together. All right, we're just going to jump in this month and let's talk about passive income. Yes, please. So this is the thing. When we Google passive income, it says, I'm just going to tell you what it says. Passive income is income that requires minimal labor to earn and maintain. It is called passive income when the earner expends little effort to grow the income. Examples of passive income include rental income and any business activities in which the earner does not materially participate, right? Mm-hmm. So bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Big <laughs> bullshit, yes. Because there is nothing passive about building an audience. No. And in order to do any of this stuff, to sell anything, you have to have an audience. Yes. And you have to continually nurture that audience and you have to continually tweak your product based on what the audience wants and what they need. And you have to continually upgrade your skills and the relevance of your product. There's so many, like it's it's such a nuanced thing, but people have been led to believe that passive income is I create a thing, slap it up on the internet, sell it for something seven and that's it. I'm going to start raking in all this income while I sleep. And that's not the case. That's why we have so much shit out there that people have to wade through because it's it's this lie that we've been sold that passive income is like a one-time, it's a one-time activity and it's going to just perpetually bring in money for me. 
Absolutely. And that is, it, it just makes me insane. Like when I have Googled it before, it's like, you know, and, and on YouTube, go anywhere and, and just take a look for anybody who is really has even begun to build in, to buy into the passive income myth. Just go Google it. Look on YouTube. It's like how to uh, reach a million dollars in passive passive income this year, right? Yeah. Everything that I've really gone in and researched and looked at, is it possible to do the million in a year? Yes. Is it going to be your first year? No. No. I mean, there there's always the outlier who may have the connections and all the things. And so it could happen. Now, I also believe that, you know, once you've built that audience, that the income becomes more passive. But like you said, you still have to nurture that audience. You still have to tweak your product and figure out your customer journey and all those yeah. kinds of things. Now, I will say some of the um, passive income that I've seen, like it said, most popular are like rental properties, flipping houses, things like that. That yeah. takes a, a really large investment for most people in the beginning. And there's work that's going into that, whether you hire somebody else to do the flipping or whatever, you still have to oversee that you still have to build that audience so that you're known as mm -hmm. someone who can, you know, produces quality rentals and quality homes. And the thing about, you know, quote, unquote, passive income too that people tend to forget is like you said, the investment, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, how much marketing investment is there behind this because let's say you have a product that is your passive income product once somebody buys it they're not going to buy it again so in order for it to continually bring in income that you don't have to you know think about or, or worry about there has to be some kind of funnel that they have to go through that funnel has to constantly be tweaked there have to, you know you have to put out ads or you have to put out some kind of of messaging to attract new people consistently to this product and so a lot of these people, like if someone's making a million dollars a year in passive income, there's probably an equivalent amount <laughs> or, you know, at least half of the equivalent amount of investment, marketing investment that's going into that Facebook ads, a marketing team, um, some kind of lead magnet, like there's some machine behind it. So it's not Google possible. ads. Yeah. And you're going to have to consistently tweak that lead magnet. You're going to have to consistently tweak the funnel to make sure that you're hitting people at the right customer journey. It's not a set it and forget it. Do you remember the old set it and forget it? Oh, yeah. Was it a rotisserie machine? What was it? I don't remember now. I don't but remember yeah. what it was, but that's been applied to so many things over yeah. the years. You can't set it and forget it. Not in well, it's not. And, and I think that's a very good point is when you have a product, it's a one-time thing, typically. Even the house, the one time, you know, you flip the house. Okay, so now you have to go find another house. You have to be looking for those, you know, and then you have to then go out and market it. It really, it there's nothing passive about this, right? And that I just I just want everybody to hear that. Can it be less passive as you grow? Yes, you're just going to shift where you're putting your time and attention. I get these, you know, on my phone, whatever, you know, not ads, but articles and, you know, Forbes, different ones. And they talk about that 7,000 a month, you know, yeah. and what was the one I saw yesterday? It was, oh, eyebrow. What's that called when they do the blading? They call it something. Um, my, my, Microblading? Microblading? Dermablading? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing passive about that. Like oh, you that's physical labor in. 
<laughs> right? And it, she's making $7,000 a month and she was able to quit her job. Yay. You know, she's got her own business, but it is still real. And I'm not dogging it at all. Good for her that she's found something. I mean, mm-hmm. I, honestly, good for her. But she it's something that is depending on her being there, you know, to service those clients and everything yeah. else. But it's this, it's this dream that we have been sold for the last few years of you can make a shit ton of money with little to no work, right? The four hour work week, the, you know, working two days in your business, the like, I mean, yes, it's a wonderful dream. And yes, there are, there are people who probably have businesses and lifestyles like that. But again, they have a massive team behind them. They have systems in place. Like you are not going to come out of the starting gate and just work four hours a week and build a multi-million dollar business. Right. And this is this is what really bugs me about passive income and everything that is in its periphery. We're not talking about the realities of what actually happens behind the scenes. No one wants to talk about that. Right. Oh, no, it's the here. Do this. Have this. There's definitely nothing behind the scenes. I've talked about that, I think, in my episode about uh, the truth about list building right? It's not just slap it up on the website and make it happen. Like you get these courses and that will be like a two liner in your directions on how to build a thing where it's like, well, create a lead magnet, put it up on your website and grow your list. Oh my God. There are like 42 steps in there. (laughs) Once you have the lead magnet up, okay, you got a sales page. Great. How are you bringing traffic to that sales page? You have to figure out what the lead magnet is. And mm-hmm. if you want it to be good, you've got to do some uh, market research on your audience, right? Yeah. You've got to come up with the idea. You've got to flesh it out. I have a client who's going through this right now and where she's fleshing out what the lead magnet's going to be. Then it has to be created in a PDF or video or, you know, whatever she's, however she wants to create that. And then it has to be stored. And then you have the uh, email marketing system that you're going to put the opt-in up. And then somebody opts in, yay, it's over. No, 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 no. You still have to have your nurture sequence. You still have to. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, it's so frustrating. Maybe once in a while, once in a blue moon, some freak of nature jacks the system, right? They like they they bypass it. They short circuit it. They shortcut it, whatever you want to call it. And they actually do it right. They put it up. But. That type of, and I'm putting success in air quotes here, that type of success is not repeatable. Because if it was, then all of these people would be squidzillionaires and they wouldn't have to work anymore. But why are they constantly pushing stuff? Because even if you have that one-time knockoff success, you're going to be very hard-pressed to repeat it. It's like the viral video. Yes, thank you. I was going to ask you about that. You just saw one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to tell the story? Yes, tell it. <laughs> so um, there's a, a, a person, I'm going to try to keep this as vague as possible, in the periphery of my sphere, who right out of the starting gate started with a course, right? And again, we've talked about this before, you and I, when you have any kind of product, you've got to test it, you've got to make sure that it, it works and that, you know, all of these things. This person had a course, they put it out, uh, didn't do any of the work behind the scenes, crickets, no interest at all. Continued to post on social media, posted um, a TikTok, I believe it was, and as viral videos do, it went viral, right? And here's the thing, the caveat. For no reason. For no reason. You cannot control what goes viral. That is the whole 
point, right? Just like we can't control viruses, you can't control what goes viral. There's a reason it's called that. And it was just a fluke, 700, 800,000 views or something like that. Based on that one TikTok, this person has now created a course marketing themselves as a viral marketing expert. Follow my X number step plan to ensure your content goes viral. And again, it's selling this, it's selling the shortcut, right? It's selling the shortcut. We have become such a shortcut addicted society, such a shortcut addicted culture that we honestly think and we honestly fool ourselves into believing that we can have big results with minimal investment of time, of of money, of education, of knowledge, like all of all of the things that are proven to actually help you get to a successful point. Nobody wants to put the work in. And I know that's a very generalist statement, but that's what I see more and more. And I know you see it too. We want to bypass reality. Well, and to be sustainable. Yeah. You have to do the foundation. You have to do that work. Absolutely. because a lot of these people that do these things and, and you know, that, that outlier that does that, you know, they're going to implode, you know, yeah. so many times, um, not always, but so many times. And if you and I haven't talked about this, I know I've talked about this on the podcast that, you know, there's that thing that we say all things being equal, mm-hmm. but it's not. No, it never it's is. not our life journey, our connections, the way that we should like there it's all things are not equal. So I know you're listening to this episode and you'll find that Sarah and I will go in one direction and then we'll just (laughs) fall into something else like we just did. But, you know, having been out here seeing these things, it's just, I think it's so important for us to understand there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing that, oh, what do I want to say? We're made to feel like we're defective in some way or we're not cut out for business. If we're not able to replicate these massive successes that other people are constantly throwing at us without telling us the whole story of what went into those successes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly it. You know, my brain, my ADHD (laughs) brain gets all those things tangled up and I can't speak. So thank you for that. Exactly. You know, there is nothing wrong with us. We can figure this out. If you are serious about growing your business and you have tried the shortcuts or you don't want to waste the time and energy doing that, please, please know that you can build a sustainable in this online world. All right. So next up, let's talk about how we've shifted from, you know, the marketing is, oh, it used to be like, oh, how to hit six figures. Oh, yeah. And I know this is something you've been noticing lately. So go ahead. You take this one. So for the longest time, six figures was the benchmark of success. A successful business is a six figure business. Now, most of us are out here paddling towards a six figure buoy in the ocean of internet businesses. And suddenly the goalposts have changed. Now it's seven figures, eight figures. That's a successful business. And I recently posted, um, I I read a stat, 88% of online businesses, women-owned businesses particularly, never reach the six-figure mark. 88%, which means that if you're in a room with 10 people, like eight or nine of you are less than six-figure businesses. So how come all of a sudden the goalpost has changed to now seven figures? Definitely playing on that FOMO, right? Yeah. Like, holy shit. And the pressure, 
right? The pressure, like, oh my God, I'm almost to six. Now what? I've got to be to seven to eight, but we fall in line. So many of us just fall in line, like, okay, that's the next big thing. That's the next right? benchmark. You haven't even taken the time. Like, let's say that you are one of the lucky few who have you know, reached six figures. And it's not just about reaching the six figures, guys. Like Teresa and I are talking about sustainable, sustainable businesses, businesses where you build something that you're not constantly having to hustle in, right? You build something that is sustainable long-term. And so if you are if you hit six figures one time, that is awesome. But the goal is to continually have that consistent income coming in that requires system support, resource support, human support, you know, and all of these things to ensure that that consistency happens. But if you're, and if you're one of the lucky few that has hit six figures, have you taken the time to, you know, understand how that happened? Have you taken the time to understand what you need to put in place to continue that sustainably, long-term, consistently? No, because as soon as you hit six figures, now you got to hit seven. And a client of mine who I absolutely adore, she actually said this in a live the other day, and it blew my mind because it's so on target. FOMO, like you just said, right? FOMO is birthed in scarcity. Yes. That is why... They move the goalpost and suddenly, oh shit, I need to now, now that, that's got to be my new goal because everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it. They're talking about it, but they're not doing it. And the ones who are doing it are not talking about it. Not the way you hear it. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's, it's kind of the same thing as this uh, viral video thing, right? It's that so-and-so did it. Because now we don't even have to do it ourselves, these people who, not us, obviously, but, you know, those people are doing that. It's like, oh, I've just come up with a formula. And the people who are teaching it haven't really even done it yet in so mm -hmm. many cases, because like you just said, the people who have done it are not talking about it. They're not trying to teach it. They're out there maintaining their business growing yeah. their audience. You know, I'm going to have, um, I think this is a great example. I'm doing an interview in the next couple of months. Again, she's been on the podcast before, but with Natalie Gingrich mm -hmm. with the Ops Authority. And what I love about her and what she's done, so many things, but what we were talking about is I told her, I want, to, I want her to come on and talk about the fact that she's just enrolling now for her 12th cohort oh, of the Director of Operations Certification. And so what she's done, I was in her second cohort. And so to see her growth and the way that she has handled it, the grace that she has used in, in growing this certification has been phenomenal. It's an incredible community. But here's one of the things that people don't realize. It's been a journey, right? Absolutely, yeah. If it's been two or three years ago, I can't time, you know, especially with pandemic in the middle of that, <laughs> I, I've lost track of all time. But it's, you know, two or three years ago that I did that still involved with the community because, oh my gosh, what an incredible group of women. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen her do is she's taken it and she's tweaked it. And she's, she cares about the people who are doing the certification. And it's interesting, because I have never heard a negative review. And I talked to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never heard a negative review about it. But what she has done, talk about sustaining it, is that she does look at the metrics, she does look at what the people in the in the um, certification are saying, and how they're helping her grow it because she wants to serve. Yeah. So it's not that she did the first one, like we see so often, and I've been guilty of this, right, you put it out there, and it doesn't get the 
attention that you thought it would or make the money that you thought it would. So let's scrap that. I've got to create something new. Yeah. I try something right? different. But this comes from her, like this is her thing. This is yeah. her thing. And she has continued to nurture it. And this is what I hear you talk about so often is just that it's like the journey to do mm -hmm. to, to grow this thing as opposed to because I think what happens when we hear this oh we got to get to six figures got to get to six figures we're just looking at the numbers yes we're not we're looking just looking at the, at the product and the audience yeah. and and what it takes right and and oh my god yes and am I doing what I'm in alignment with am I doing yes. something that actually you know, aligns with my values and the kind of person that I want to be and where my passion is. I mean, that's one of the fundamental things that I work with when I'm working with clients is like, you know, we, we come in and we're like, I need to make money. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. We all need to make money. But when that is your, your sole motivator, right, you're willing to try anything and everything. It's like the person who I got a wedding to go to in six weeks, so I need to lose weight. And I'm going to use this as an example because I think everybody can relate to it, right? So you try a diet. I haven't lost any weight this first week, so I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try keto this week. I'm going to do Atkins next week. Still not losing anything. So in two weeks, I'm going to do some kind of juice diet. Like that's what happens in business when you don't think A, sustainably, and B, you're not actually thinking, you know, what is it that works for who I am, right? The best nutrition, I don't want to say diet because I hate diet, but the best nutrition plans are the ones that you incorporate into your lifestyle and the kind of you know things that you enjoy and the things that resonate with you. And business is the same way. If you want to build a sustainable business, if you want to have a long-term success plan, you need to think about who am I as a person? What's my passion? What do I enjoy? What resonates with me? What can I, you know, what can I do long-term versus this didn't work, so I'm going to try something else. This didn't work, so I'm going to launch something else. This didn't work, so I need to because like you said, you're focused on the money and that's it. Right. And that's why we have so many people putting out products that are subpar and not seeing them through, right? They put a lot of effort into the marketing of the product and signing people up and then that's it. Oh yep. shit, now I have to deliver? Oh, I've already moved on to this next thing. It's had another great idea. And it's, it's gonna be a real money maker. Oh yeah, and it's <laughs> right? disjointed. And you're, you're, you're pulling people in and you're talking about, yeah, I, I had a five figure launch or a six figure launch and I've talked about this too. Like, okay, great, but what happens after the launch? You still have to deliver the program. You still have to actually you know, get feedback from the people in it. Did they get what you promised? If not, let's tweak it and try again. But nobody wants to do that. No, uh, so many people do not want to do that. And it is very much like, well, you know, I didn't hit six figures with that, but so-and-so's course said that I would. So it just must be the wrong idea. So, you know, one of the first things that I ask clients even in our, uh, what do, uh, I know everybody calls them discovery calls. I don't like that. So <laughs> anyway, but when what we all know is a discovery call, it's, let's say, let's just say it, it's a sales call, yeah. you know? So uh, anyway, in that discovery call, one of the first things that I ask a prospect is what do you want to be known for? right? What do you yeah. want to be known for? And, you know, when they're telling me some of the things that they're working on, and I ask them, you know, how did you come to that? You know, what's the basis? What do you what do you where do you get this idea? I think I've mentioned before, Simon Sinek had said that somebody kind of, well, multiple people come up to him and they say, Oh, my gosh, you know, I want it, I want it, how can I do what you do? And he's like, Wow, great. What what's your topic? And they're yeah. like, Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't come up with that yet. I just want to do what you do. 
Well, it's this whole rhetoric of sell the course before you build the course, sell the program before you build the program. I can, I can understand not investing a whole shit ton of time and effort into building out every single facet of a program before you sell spots in it. But then on the other hand, this is why we do things like market research. This is why we actually take the time to see what our audience wants. Too many people are building programs and courses and offers based on what they want versus what their audience wants. And that's where the disconnect happens, right? So it's, it's like the Simon Sinek example. You have to know what you're doing before you go out and sell it. You have to know what result you're hoping to, to get for the client. You have to know how you're going to deliver it. You have to have at least a very loose framework. But just saying, I'm, you know, this is the topic because I want to have a course, but no idea about the rest of it. You, you cannot do that. I mean, you can, I... but it's not going to be the kind of success that you're hoping it's going to be. Right. And I see this in some of the groups I'm in, as I've said before, way too many groups. <laughs> and I see this, though, you know, where it's like, oh, I signed up for this course. And do you guys think that this would that anybody would want to hear about or learn about XYZ? Right? It's just they're they're searching for that idea. Because and, and that's a very good indication that it is about the money. And, it, and and again, nothing wrong. We all you're right. Absolutely right. We all have bills to pay and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just going to be a lot longer journey that way. And yeah. the majority of people then peter out because yeah. it just doesn't, you know, they, they never find it. But here's the thing with that whole um, sell it before you build it is that's actually called market research right? That's, that's disguised as that. But to really get a good idea of what the market is and all of that, if you go that way, look at the money that you're spending in ads and everything else, the, your time, your energy. If you have a team, the money that you're paying them to get it out there to see if anybody's interested. Mm-hmm. When if you're really focused on your audience and talking with your audience, being where your audience is, you're going to know whether it's something that's going to sell. So, you know, I, I know I, I've been around online now full time for 13 years. So I remember when that came into the space, mm-hmm. right? And it was just like it was new, it was fresh. So people jumped yeah. on the on the bandwagon. And then some people still go that route, but I just I can't yeah. the number, the the amount of money and time and energy that goes into that to me is not a good investment of my business time and my business finances. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when I was a teacher, you know, we'd have new instructors come on into the program. And, you know, they would ask at the beginning of a semester, oh, so you know, how much prep have you done? And the reality is, you know, if I'd been teaching, let's say communications for six years, I'm probably not going to do a hell of a lot of prep. I can walk in and wing it for the most part because I've taught it for six years. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I know the material. So do I build a huge lesson plan every semester? No. But if it's a new course that I haven't done before, you're damn right. I'm going to be reading textbooks. I'm going to be doing online research. I'm going to put together a framework. I'm going to test it out every class to see how is my class responding? What tweaks do I need to make? It's no different in the online space. The online space is still real life and people still have real expectations. And I think a lot of people who are able to just, you know, build or sell a course before they build it, the successful ones are the ones who've done it before, who have experience and expertise in a particular topic. And they can maybe wing it for the most part, but there's still going to be an infrastructure behind it. There's still going to be some kind of support framework that they're going to work with because discerning customers 
are going to start asking questions like, well, what are we going to do every week? What am I going to get? What are you going to teach me? If you are not asking those questions as a consumer, please start. Please start asking those questions. Hold these people accountable to their promises. And hold yourself accountable. We talked about that last month. You know, uh, definitely ask the question. I think one of the number one questions is, what is the promise here? So, you know, as you're talking about this, it reminds me of in the history of music, those one hit wonders. Yeah. Right. Talk about outliers. So you've got the one hit wonders and then you've got... The cold plays and the maroon fives that are still going, still going strong. (laughs) Exactly, because they refined their craft. Yeah. There are, when you look at older movies, it's so interesting to me when I go back and watch, rewatch like Boston Legal or Scandal or, you know, and that's even more recent. But when I go back and watch those, the actors that now I see, it's like, oh my God, look, he was such a baby. She was so young, you know, but they stayed with their craft. They refined what they do. And this Mm -hmm. is what we need to do if we want to be sustainable. Yeah, it's it's just the way that it is. So we're not trying to scare anybody off. But this is like, let's put all the bullshit aside and have real talk here. This is what it takes. Yeah, because we want you to be successful. That's the bottom line. We don't come on here to to, you know, dissuade anybody from doing business. We want you to be successful. And I know myself personally, I have fallen prey in the early days of my business to a lot of these promises and tactics, gotten burned, had to figure it out myself. And if I can save somebody from having to go through that by pulling the loving reality check, that's what I'm going to do. And I know you feel the same way. Absolutely. And I think that's, I I don't know, for me, I don't know if it's being a Libra or just the way that I'm made. I feel that I have that responsibility. Absolutely. So let's go, let's circle back to the six to seven, you know, we're trying to get to six and now we're trying to get to seven or eight, Mm -hmm. you know, If you are on your way to six, just stop and ask yourself, is this really, where's my focus? Where's my focus? Is it on hitting the dollar amount or is it truly refining my craft to refine my services to get there? Is that, you know, what's really motivating you? Yeah. And is it the number that I want or is it what I think that number is going to allow for me to have, right? So a lot of people feel like the six or seven figures is suddenly going to allow them more time freedom, more money freedom, you know, the freedom to uh, not work five days a week, whatever it is. So maybe if if that's your motivator, maybe it's not the number so much you need to focus on. But how can I how can I bring those things into my business now? Right? Because the thing I've learned about money is the more you make, the more you want when you hit. Why do you think those goalposts have changed for the quote unquote gurus? Because once you do hit six figures, where do you go from there? Oh, you know, I've got this pet peeve about multiple six figures. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that? Do you mean low six figures, mid six figures, high six figures, Mm -hmm. but multiple? And I know that it means like two, three, four thousand, but it just makes me insane. There is no such thing as multiple six figures unless we're talking like millions, billions. I haven't done the math, but (laughs) anyway, that and, and that is so true. And I was talking with someone the other day who had set one of my clients had set a goal, monetary goal, and she had some ideas as to how she was going to achieve that. And I asked her, I said, oh, because, you know, we talk about good, better and best goals. Yeah. And I said, so how much do you need to pay your bills to 
you know, live the life that you, you know, right now that you're responsible for, because I think that's a good goal, Absolutely. you know, not just breaking even, but you know, so she said, you know what, I don't know, which is obviously she's going on the the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And and what she and it is very much about what she thinks it will do for her life and the things that she is going to be able to do. But what yeah. we talked about is that when you know exactly what you need to make, that becomes oh, I'm getting closer. I'm I'm there, you know, and it's attainable. Yeah. And so okay, I've secured that. And because as humans we do, you know, you talk about these goalposts and that's to me the good, better, best. And so once you attain that, you're like, okay, I can do this. But then to maintain that Right. And then you can begin tweaking. And that's where I know we've talked about scaling comes from there first. It's not jumping all over the board. But anyway, and and she hadn't really stopped to think about that because her goal, her financial goal, the one that she had set was like so big that I have no doubt she can get there within the next two years. But it's you're going to continue to have that energy where you're falling short and then that pressure so I think, you know, and, and I'm going to do an episode about this. I did it in the group, but I was kind of all over the place. So I deleted it, <laughs> but about <laughs> realistic goals. And I'm going to go back and revisit that. And I know you've talked about that recently too, realistic yeah. goals. Yeah. There's and I mean, you're wrong with it. No. And you bring up a good point. Like we, we treat realistic, like a dirty word because, you know, the dreamer crowd will tell you that if you're realistic, you can't achieve big dreams. And that's bull. Like, you have to be realistic. And my interpretation of realistic is understanding what my big dream is and then putting together an actual plan, like an actual step-by-step plan to achieve that. And you you, you bring up a good point that yes, we all have the capacity to make six figures, seven figures, eight figures, whatever, but it's the reality of the process and the time frame, right? We, we feel like we are failures or we're not cut out for this when we put a really small container of time on these really big aspirations. And again, some people, they get lucky and they hit it in a shorter amount of time. But being realistic just means, yeah, I know what it's actually going to take to get to this particular goal. And I'm willing to put the work in and the commitment into achieving it. And it's more the journey versus the end point. And, you know, it goes back to all the marketing that makes it sound like it's quick and easy. You know, yeah. we can just like catapult, you know, buy this course, pay for it, and you're there, you, you're you done, mm-hmm. right? That's why so many courses are left collecting digital dust on, you know, hard drives because yeah. it didn't happen automatically. And I don't so, remember the stat, but it's over 80, over 80% now of courses that are, are not completed by people. Right. It's It's just being realistic is okay. You know, just like you said, and, and planning, there's a dirty word. Talk about dirty words. There's, right. you know, planning. What do you mean plan? I've got the course. It tells me how to do it. You know, there's a popular course that says, you know, you can create this course and the course itself is 12 weeks and people go into it thinking that at the end of 12 weeks, they're going to have this course. Now that yeah. that course creator, I've heard her talk about the fact that doesn't mean that it's going to happen in 12, but it doesn't matter. The human brain who, you know, because we want those of us who want that quick recipe and, you know, the quick win, we don't hear that part. We just hear that, oh, 12 weeks. Okay. I'm going to build this course. Not I'm going to have a viable realistic. product at the end of it. And that's, it's going to make me money. I'm starting out not even knowing what my course is going to be, but in 12 weeks, I'm going to be a millionaire. All right. Well, if you have any questions about any of this, Feel, feel free to reach out to Sarah, reach out to me. Sarah, tell everybody where they can find you. 
Uh, you can find me on Facebook at the.sarah.con uh, or on Instagram at lynchpin.virtual. And that's Sarah Khan, K-H-A-N. That is correct. And what's your group? Uh, corporate, corporate Rehab. So if you just search for Corporate Rehab, uh, you will find it. Or you can just pop it into the search engine, bit.ly uh, forward slash Corporate Rehab Community, and you'll find me. All right. And my group, you can get there by going to Growth Strategies Cafe forward slash Facebook. That'll get you directly there. And you can find me at growthstrategiescafe.com. So before we go, you know, this is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Don't be that girl. Let's talk about that. Part of it is revisiting. So there's two things here. First, we're going to revisit the whole pitch slapping that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. And you can find that on the website, growthstrategiescafe.com forward slash podcast, and you'll see all the episodes there. So let's revisit the whole pitch slapping because what I've been getting lately is uh, it's not so much what's happened in the past, but the new one that I keep getting a lot is, hi, I really thought you would be interested in this group. Like the last five people who have sent me friend requests. Yeah. And then it's like, they give me this link to this group, some of which have nothing to do with anything that I post about. Or <laughs> Most of which else, have nothing right? to do. Yeah. Right. So, and then the others are just, you know, cause I go and look at them cause I'm constantly researching these things and, mm -hmm. you know, and I even try to engage some of these people in conversation because I, I still haven't figured out who's teaching this shit. Right. I still haven't. Nobody, when I ask, like nobody will, nobody will tell me where they've learned the quote unquote strategy that they're using. But so if anybody, if you're listening and you know who's teaching it, please, please send me a message and let me know. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's just people think legitimately think this is how you do it because so many people are doing it. And it's those people that are constantly, you know, posting images of how much money they make and, and whether it's, it's real or not. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure these people aren't making the kind of money they say they're making. That's me throwing shade, but I'm going to do it because I can. Um, I get the one that I've been getting lately um, pretty consistently is I love what you do or your content is so great. A very generic compliment of some kind that has nothing to do with anything. You know, what kind of challenges are you having as a coach? Because I have a XYZ program or, or whatever that I think would be perfect for you. And when I push back and I ask, well, what exactly about my content resonated with you? Or how do you feel your program would help me? Cricket. Right. Cricket. Ghost. Total yeah. ghost. Because what they're looking for is for you to go, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, sign me up. But that's not how right? it works. And I think, I honestly, I do think this is a bastardized version of when people talk about starting conversations with people. Mm -hmm. There are gen, there, that whole thing is about genuine conversations. It's that somebody really like, I'll see somebody posting something and I start following them and I start watching them. And then I will reach out and say, oh my gosh, I really love that video you did the other day about such and such. And, you know, I would love to talk with you to see how we might support one another. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Now don't, that doesn't mean that you should go watch a video and then use that as your thing, but it's make it, if it's genuine, people know, like well, people know bullshit, they can smell bullshit. Yeah. And, and again, it's the, it's the lazy way, right? This yeah. is that quick, that, that quick the trying to cut. do something. Yes. Yeah. 
And the problem is those of us who actually go in and try and connect genuinely, we get tarnished with the same brush because people have now been conditioned to expect a pitch slap. So right. I will do that. If I've, if someone's content really resonates or they post something, I will go in and compliment them on that. And I'm, I'm always surprised at how few people will respond with even a thank you because they're expecting a pitch. And it's funny, I had a conversation with a lady yesterday. She booked a, a connection call, a coffee, a coffee chat with me uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we um, were both in, irony here, a networking group, which we both quit because all the coffee chats that I had booked in that networking group ended up being pitches. Mm-hmm. Not about, you know, what am I doing, but here's how you could potentially help me, the, the person. And so I ended up just leaving the group because it wasn't a good investment of my money or my time. And she did the same. And so we had booked this prior to quitting. And she she and I had the coffee chat yesterday and legitimately just talked about I'd seen some of her content. She's doing amazing things in the world of fitness. And I asked her about her, her accomplishments. And she asked about where I lived. And we, we literally had a friendly conversation over coffee. And do you know what happened? She's booked an hour long consult with me. I did not go in with that intention. I went in with, I'd love to make a new friend because we have so few genuine friends in the space, right? And this is what I talk about. Sales is the byproduct of genuine connection. And so we need to stop feeling like if I don't pitch everybody right now, I'm somehow, again, it's it's scarcity. It's scarcity mindset. Pitch slapping comes from, from scarcity. I love it. That is exactly where it comes from. Wanting that shortcut and, and that um, lack mentality that I've got. If I hit 50 people, at least one of them has to respond, right? And it's just a sad state of affairs. I, I really have tried to have conversations to find out how well that tactic is working for them. And nobody ever wants to talk to me about that. But I'm very, I'm a curious person. I want to know because Mm -hmm. there's got to be a reason that you're doing it. (laughs) So, all right. And then the second thing that we want to talk about, don't be that girl is using manipulation as a strategy. And this shows up in so many different ways. So something that I just saw the other day, because, you know, I'm on my desktop all the time and I saw the ads on the side and one of it said, this is the only marketing strategy you need before you hit 100K. There's that six figures. This is the only marketing strategy you need before you hit 100K in your business. Come on. There is no one size fits all. Never. And I did do research on it. In addition to it sucking, right? <laughs> that you're that you're doing that. Here's the part that sucks for you if you're doing that. Savvy business owners, savvy people who are building businesses see through that bullshit. And the good points that you really have, the good information that you really have doesn't get heard because savvy people aren't going to even go look at it and research it. And I did, I went in and I looked at some of the stuff and there is some really good stuff in there, but that is not going to work, but it will, it'll work on those people, right? They want the shortcut and they think that it's the magic bullet. What do you have on that, Sarah, with this manipulation is a strategy? Oh, uh, you know, the idea of um, I've only got X number of spots left. Mm. And I, I, I see this regularly. I actually um, experienced it recently. I've only got three spots left, so hurry up and sign up. Or 
the deadline is absolutely on this day. I'm shutting the doors on this day. And then, oh, actually, I'm going to leave the doors open a little bit longer. Or, oh, actually, I'm going to open up a few more spots. Now, if that is legitimately happening, that is fine. Because it does happen. I've worked with people where, you know, they say, I've only got this many spots. But then someone drops out or whatever, and they have a few more spots open. But nine out of 10 times, it's, again, it's picking at that. It's poking at that FOMO. Right. And it's a manipulation because we somebody actually said this. I can't remember who it was. She actually admitted in her webinar, humans love scarcity. We're attracted to it because it um, hits that that feeling of, of wanting to have an exclusive access to something that not everybody else does. And I get it. Right. We all love to have exclusive access and be special. But it, again, it's that manipulation tactic. If you only have five spots, tell people you only have five spots. But if you have 10, tell them you have 10. If your deadline is flexible, let people know. And I understand all of the marketing and the psychology around people need a firm deadline. They need, you know, they need to be cajoled into taking action because most of us won't take action until the last minute. Like, I get it. I don't want to work with those people, though. I don't. Right. If you say you're going to shut the doors on Friday, shut the damn doors on Friday. Well, and that whole mindset or, you know, that philosophy that is you have to have a deadline, you have to do this. And yes, human nature plays into that. But I don't want to have to convince the people I don't want to have to manipulate the people that I work with. Absolutely. I want the people that I work with to know it's time, they're ready, they're ready to invest. Because guess what, I don't want to drag anybody over the finish line. No. And if you're only doing it because of the scarcity, I've done it. I've done it because that course only opens up once or twice a year and I've gotten it so that I could do it later. Right. Yeah. I, I want to work with people who are really ready action takers and who are building something. Yeah. I, 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 that's just, you know, maybe that's just me, but no, again, I feel the same way. And, so, and Teresa, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the people who took action. I saw this all the time in corporate with meetings. If the meeting starts at 12 o'clock, and I show up at 11.55, ready to go. And you're like, you know what? We're going to wait five minutes. We're going to wait 10 minutes for, you know, late Ugh, people. Just, it's so annoying. Don't, don't do that to me. I showed up on time. I made the commitment. I'm here. And it's no different in business. If you have people who are ready and committed and invested, you need to focus on them. Not the people who are still hemming and hawing or have better things to do because they know. They know you're going to leave the doors open a little bit longer. Right. Unless they're brand new coming in, you know, fresh off the farm. I've seen it happen from some different people over the years. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were like that. Right. Because mm -hmm. you're, it's true that sometimes somebody falls out, you know, has to cancel. They've had a death or, you know, something going on in life. And that does happen. But the frequency that we see it, it doesn't happen that often. So many times it's that they really need it. 10 people and they don't have 10 people yet, right? There's always that thing of trying to save face. I saw a question in a group the other day about that. Like I, I didn't have enough people sign up, but I don't want to say that's the reason that I'm canceling it. Yeah. Right. So what should I do? I, I have it marked so that I can go back and respond. The best thing you can do is be honest. Don't worry about saving face, right? You can just, you know, just be honest. And you, you know, know, this is, you know oh my gosh. Respect you for your honesty. Do you know how many yes. people would respect you for saying, Hey, guess what? It didn't work. So I'm gonna try it again. Right? right. I ran a workshop recently where I, I said there are only 10 spots because I wanted it. I wanted to keep it intimate. Guess how many people signed up? 
three. One of them signed up last minute, just before, like the day before the webinar, and she didn't show up. And I ran it with two people. Why? Because I promised that I would. Because right. the information was important. They were interested. They got it. Did I record it? No, because I said I wasn't going to record it. Good for you. You know, and, and this is what I'm talking about. It was, would it have been great to have 10 people? Absolutely. But I didn't get the 10 people, but I also didn't postpone it. I didn't cancel it. Was my pride twigged? Absolutely. My ego was like, oh, you only got three people. But hey, I got three people. Right. If three people walked in the door and sat down in my office and said, teach us something, I'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And with that, yeah, when it's an intimate audience like that, you get so much great feedback. Those are great. So, you know, and with that, now you can run it again and tweak it just like yeah. we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And it's again, growing that audience and, and tweaking it, the messaging, just all the different parts and pieces. And very so, quickly in, in the interest of being honest about it, why did I only get three people? I didn't advertise it very much. I spoke about it twice. So really it's on me. I didn't put the work in. See, I love that transparency because it, we need to hear that. I've done the same thing at different times, mm -hmm. right? Whereas like, oh, I got so busy with so many other things and I just didn't get the thing out there the way that I wanted to. Yeah. It happens and then you learn and you grow with it. Bingo. So don't be that girl. Stop mm -hmm. the pitch slapping and stop using manipulation as a strategy. Bingo. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for now. We'll be back and we've already got a whole list of things we'll be oh, talking yeah. about then. <laughs> there is no shortage of bullshit out there that we want to talk about. I am looking forward to it because, yep, there's no shortage of it. And I'm here with a shovel ready to go. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Growth Strategies Cafe podcast. If it resonated with you, be sure to share it on Facebook and tag me to let me know how you're using this info to grow your online business. And of course, you're always welcome in our free Facebook community and you can get there by going to growthstrategiescafe.com forward slash Facebook. Hey, while you're at it, go ahead and invite a friend. We'd love to have you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.